Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. everybody to the flagship podcast interview we are previewing texas west virginia in a titanic showdown two four and six teams two and five in the big 12 and we're doing it with mike casaza of earsports.com on the 24 7 sports network mike how are you doing chip doing great titanic in the sense that we can see this coming and we wish we could avoid it Right, the iceberg is in sight. Yeah, um, I did not. I did not foresee this one coming. I thought, even like earlier in this season, I thought Texas would be kind of exciting. And even when West Virginia was trying to put the pieces together, really good defense and an offense that I think could probably do some things against the Texas defense. But I kind of wondered, you know, early for Sarkeesian and Brown is always kind of better at the end, always. But his, his first two seasons, he was. I kind of had this one circled because it's a big game. It could have a lot in the line for just like the coaches at their stages. I did not think it would be ones in a bowl game and ones not. Very surprising to me. I agree. I agree. I I did. I had higher expectations for both of these teams. Um, I I like Neil Brown. I liked what he had going last year with that defense and and Mike. Even as you know, as we we look back, I'm I'm looking at. You know the start of the season for West Virginia, they they beat Virginia Tech, who has now fired their coach, by the way. Uh, barely lost at OU 16-13, um, in maybe a little bit of a foreshadowing of of you know some things that OU had to work out. Obviously, at quarterback, they've gotten a lot better since Caleb Williams came in, although OU just lost to Baylor. Yeah. Uh, and then the loss to Tech, that one surprised me. What uh, what happened in that game? Kind of indicative of, I would say, like pattern behavior for them. But there are times, especially this season, but during their first three seasons, where they just they just didn't get it going until it was too late. And I think when you look at the first couple of years, they just didn't have the horses the first year to make that happen. And listen, if you're outmanned, you're going to fall behind sometimes. But Last season and definitely this season, the roster's in better shape, but they just sometimes just don't appear for the first 15 minutes or so. And that happened again last week. They were down 17 nothing in a hurry to Oklahoma, or Kansas State. Um, Oklahoma State the week before, listen, Oklahoma State's doing that to everybody right now, but you can go through different games and just slow starts. And, I mean, 17 nothing against Texas Tech, who fires their coach just a couple weeks later. I think that was one thing that maybe you said, okay, <laughs> this is not progressing at the pace or the – the quality that you want because that game shouldn't happen at home. And I say that because that's the team that they're 0-3 against. So Neil Brown will have an 0-3 record against Matt Wells until Matt Wells gets a job and gets a spot on the sideline across from Neil Brown again. That doesn't make sense. I'm not sure that they've had the worst roster either three times, but they played the worst game. Um, the first year, that was Matt Wells' first year too. So whatever things you can say about you know not having it that day, and that was a lot to a little in the first half in that game. The, whatever you could say about, oh, Neil Brown's at a disadvantage, 
Matt Wells had the same disadvantage. Last year, played a better game against them, but a fumble late in the game gets returned. But that was a team that they're 0-2 against, and you're saying, man, this feels like this team should be better than 0-2 against Texas Tech if things are happening like they profess. And then when you come out and, and you get a turnover on your first possession, like you create a turnover, you do nothing with it, and you give up back-to-back touchdowns, it's 17 to nothing. They had some goofy clock management. Um, quarterback just missed a wide-open receiver on a touchdown pass that could have won the game. And yet they lose on a 50-50 ball and a field goal at the end, and it's a three-point game, and you're just sitting there going, is this team good or not? And what's the margin, and, and why does this team keep creating it? And that's kind of the thing that, that stands in the way of you know productive, positive conversations. They can have bad starts, and they create margins they can't afford to create. Well, and then, as you mentioned, I mean, kind of the up-and-down nature, they they go to TCU, and they win. Um, by double digits and then they come home and they beat Iowa State 38-31 Jared Daggy's slinging it all over the place Um, you know tell us about those two games what you saw from West Virginia in the win on the road at TCU and then coming home and beating Iowa State yeah TCU was after an open week and for whatever reason for a team that hadn't won on the road in almost two years I really felt like that was a good spot for the team and the program because you get an open week to take a deep breath and to reassess things they hadn't had a chance to do that um and then you're playing on the road where you've won before that was their prior road win again almost two years earlier but you've beaten them before you're two and oh against them you kind of sense the TCU is, is starting to show signs and you play well enough and you do some good things on offense, but they also made some changes too. And they're not going to talk about it. They go out of their way, but Neil Brown stepped away as like the play caller. Um, he still does a lot on offense, but he's not signaling the plays anymore. That that's kind of designed by, you know, a committee, a faction, whatever you want to call it during the week. Uh, Jared Parker is the offensive coordinator. Kirk Sharaka is an analyst that they brought in from uh, Penn state. And, and he's, he's known around from, from Western Michigan to Minnesota before that too, where he's done some good things with offenses and, and Brown really values his opinion. He's done him since back in there. Well, what would that be the CAA days when they were at Delaware? So familiarity there helped and that got them new ideas and new results. And that worked. And then I can't explain what happened to Iowa state. I don't, you saw Iowa state's defense. It's good. And, and again, Texas's offense is good. And, I just think that there was a there's there's a way to do things against Iowa State's defense. If you can be patient and and you can just kind of understand those three safeties aren't going to let anything get past you, past them, and you just take stuff underneath. They hit a ton of outs. They hit short stuff. They used the tight end, and they just took what was there and it kept working and working. They're chunking up yards and getting points, and and it it was a really good day. That's not what can happen against Oklahoma State. Their secondary is really aggressive. Their defensive line just whipped West Virginia. I just think the scheme lined up perfectly for Iowa State's um, personnel. They were missing their middle linebacker, Mike Rose, that day. That was a big difference. But West Virginia was able to do things, and Daigie played great. Like he, He's making like right hash to left sideline throws on the out that he just habitually struggles with. And you're thinking, hey, great day. This is going to turn the page. And that just hasn't happened. But it, it's one of those outlier performances. On paper, it doesn't look like it belongs because it doesn't. That hasn't been their pattern. But they had a great plan and a great day that day. You can't take that from them. Yeah, yeah, and it looked like things were were heading in the right direction, as you said. Oklahoma State, um, to me, the best team in the Big Twelve um, yeah. has has played that way. Their defense has, um, you know, been a monster, and Jalen Warren is as tough as they get uh, at the running back position. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, the loss to K State, a team that they had owned. I mean, 
five-game winning streak against K-State going into last week's game. And, um, you know, Deuce Vaughn, what, what, uh, where did that one uh, get away? Well, they turned it over on the second play from scrimmage, which is what, you know, a team that's prone to step on the rake is going to do. It was a, it was a, just a simple slant right in the middle. They're good at that stuff. They have underneath receivers who get open. They got a big outside receiver who gets open. They run the slant very well. Uh, the pass hit him in the face mask, and he was so open, Chip, that the, the defensive back was like five yards away and had plenty of room to catch it and make a return. That shouldn't happen, right? Second play from scrimmage, quick change. Their defense hasn't been good at that this year. They should have experience. They've got about a dozen turnovers. So come right down the field, and they just get run over. And you're thinking, this is going to be bad. One team came to play. One team didn't. It's apparent who's who. Um, they, they punt it. They switch field positions. West Virginia gets an interception. They bring the ball inside the 14, but they have a linebacker who's just a violent targeting play, a really dirty play. He gets ejected. The interception gets overturned. Um, flip the field again with a punt. Now West Virginia's playing off its goal line, has a punt blocked, returned for a touchdown. And if Kansas State gets a non-offensive touchdown, as most teams, you're not going to win. That's just what the history says. So it's 14 nothing at 17 nothing at the half. They get back in the game. Um, it's 24-17 because – Say this about Browns teams, you know, they haven't been great at the start of games. They don't really get blown out very often because they fight and they play and they, they find a way sometimes. It's 24-17. Skylar Thompson looked very human. Uh, it's fourth and eight at the 39-yard line. And you're thinking, okay, this is interesting. What's climbing going to do? They like to go for fourth downs. They're 12 out of 14 now this year. But that's a situation where you might punt it. Maybe take a delay, punt it. Maybe you line up and try to get in the jump off sides and fourth and three, you kick it like just a whole bunch of different things go through your head. Last of which is let's throw a seam route to our tight end for a 35 yard game, which is what happened. Um, they flattened out their coverage. They goofed up West Virginia secondary, just a blown assignment. And it just throws a dart right in the tight end's pocket. It's a 35 yard gain. It's first a goal before Vaughn walks in. All of a sudden the seven point game is a 14 point game. And the compound matters. Um, this isn't a team that makes the best of a good situation. It, it Typically makes a bad situation worse. They hand it off to Letty Brown the next drive, and he fumbles. And all of a sudden, that goes your best chance uh, out the window to win the game. So, uh, again, they create the margins oftentimes. They can they can eliminate them, but they, they just find a way of creating the margin again. Before we get to the playmakers uh, to watch, how good is K-State? Because that's Texas's last opponent. They they are really good at getting in their lane and and staying in there, too. It's kind of like what West Virginia wants to do, I think. But I, I wonder sometimes about Vaughn and, and their backup running back, Irvin. And I understand Vaughn, the talent, you got to play him. But he's he's so good at the stretch plays outside. And, and that's something that WV's defense is pretty good against. Um, he ended up mashing him up inside, which is kind of a surprise. But I, I wonder where the splash plays come from on their offense. They surprise you sometimes. Like, again, a seam route to your tight end. Okay. Um, but can you do that consistently to win a game where, you know, if Texas is playing good offensively, can they score a bunch of points? I'm not sure that the Kansas State defense is great. Um, gave up a lot of yards to West Virginia. I think West Virginia had about 400-plus yards. That probably shouldn't happen, right? They play a 3-3-5. They have a really good defensive end who has 11 sacks. He was a non-factor against West Virginia. A really good secondary, long. They can test a lot of stuff. They're going to get their hands on passes, and, and who knows what happens, but – a lot has to go right for them to win games, which is kind of the, the story of Kansas State for as long as I've done them. I mean, whatever the coach has been, just, you know, play smart, use special teams and defense, get your pocket scores from, you know, surprising areas, and you can do something with it. I just wonder about their offense. I know Thompson's been accurate, but 
his receivers are pretty normal. Vaughn is like a one-man gang. If you can if you can keep Vaughn inside and stop him from being a weapon in the passing game, their offense comes back down to earth. And I just wonder about how effective, how how splashy their defense can be. So if you have offense that day, I certainly have a chance, I think. All right, we'll take a quick break with Mike Casaza of Earsports.com previewing Texas and West Virginia at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, we'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast you know we talked about the the west virginia offense when jared daigie's on and letty brown is on and um you know they've got a talented receiving core uh winston wright uh bryce ford wheaton uh sam jones or Sam, yeah, Sam James, yeah. what, you know, talk about this West Virginia offense when it's, when it's clicking. Yeah. Their offensive line is going to have to protect when they're good. They, they're five, give them time to do something. And if it's, if it's rattled a little bit early, Daggy's clock goes off quick and, and he sees things that aren't there and he doesn't see things that are there. And that's a bad status for a quarterback. So it really does begin with their offensive line. Their left tackle is kind of ordinary. He hasn't had a good year. They just don't have anybody to push him. Uh, their best part, left guard, center, right guard, they're good. And they can run inside zone, and they can do some gap stuff in the middle. Their right tackle is a true freshman who was like a top 150 player, like a four-star guy, and, and they like him a lot. He's going to be a good player, but he's a, he's a true freshman playing defensive end of the Big 12. It's tough. It just begins there, and that's that's very simple for football. But when they can run the ball – they can move people, and when they can't, they get moved. And that's that's a big concern for th this game because I know that there, there have been myriad issues there, but they're so big up front for Texas that that's an issue. And, like, Sweat gave them trouble last year. Um, and, like, just he's he's enormous. So if you can occupy those that guard center guard, that really takes away their, their strength. So that's one thing that their players on offense are probably their offensive line because they're that important. But they've been, they've been that good, those three guys. They just don't have a lot of playmakers. They don't have like a score any snap kind of guy. I mean, they could they could hit Winston right in a slant and do it, but he's liable to drop it or you know dance around and get tackled or just not make something happen with it. Bryce Ford Wheaton had just terrible drop issues his first two years. Been better this year. He's made some acrobatic catches, but you know he's missed a couple too that have been big plays. They missed Sam James. He was really effective earlier in the season. He'd, he'd come around and, and shaken off a bad 2020. When, when he was like a 70-catch, 900-yard receiver two years ago, 
and as a, as a redshirt freshman, very ordinary last year, struggled with drops, really was hard on himself and was back to it this year and just gave him an ability to, to kind of be taller and stretch the field. He's like six one um, in the slot. And that just hasn't happened lately. And their right side is where they're really hurting right now, too. Their, their best receiver probably is Isaiah Esdale. He does a ton of stuff for them, the screen game. He has the best hands. They throw fades to him sometimes. He's had, well, they're calling it multiple upper body injuries, but he's gotten hit in the ribs and the shoulders so much going across the middle that he probably isn't going to play. And they had to move a true freshman, Caden Prather, from the left to the right. Watch him. He's really interesting. He's like a four-star guy who, who's got some pop, but he just looks different than the other guys out there. They put him in last week on the right side, four catches, 60 yards in the second half. And he can he's big, he can run, he can muscle. That's a guy that I, I wish they'd gotten in earlier in the season because you wouldn't be having these what-if conversations about him. Like, what if you threw him four passes a game, right? What would his numbers be like? Not saying he's worthy on your side, but, like, that's a guy who's got some talent. And if you invest in it, you're probably going to get rewarded. They finally did that. Uh, see what happens there, too. So the short stuff, probably going to be Winston Wright. When they need to play, watch for Ford Wheaton, you know, slants or something quick. Um, what they do in their screen game and their bubbles and their tunnels and their funnels, I don't know because they really miss Esdale with that. And and quietly, Letty Brown's been, been, been kind of normal. I don't think he looked very good last week as far as like his health, his legs, his upper body. Fumbling is unlike him. He put two on the ground. And when he's healthy, he can run inside and outside. And they can use him as a weapon in the receiving game too. But just haven't heard a whole lot about him this year because he hasn't been able to do a whole lot. Teams have taken him away, but when he's been good, they've been good. And again, that goes back to the offensive line. Well, you look at um, you look at West Virginia's defense last year, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Tony Fields was a was a was a huge pickup for them uh, in the in the portal. Um, talk about this defense, Josh Chandler, uh, Samedo, mm-hmm. and. Um, and of course, Dante Stills is still there. Yeah. Uh, Sean Mahone, and um, and then they've got a little bit of a a pass rush. Or a, well, you tell us about yeah. this West Virginia defense. Their defensive line is relentless. They're not they're not very big. Their nose is like a six three, two hundred and seventy five pound guy. They don't play like a nose like you think about um, Darius Stills, for example. He wasn't even really a nose, but. They, they kind of have gone to two defensive tackles and one just happens to play in between the end and the other tackle. But they're kind of quick. So Akeem Ezador is the one to watch. He's got a great engine. He just goes and goes and goes. He tracks plays down. It's a lot of pressures. Um, quiet last week, didn't play a ton of snaps. But when he's good, he's he's really kind of whistle to whistle, just going and going. And, and that's, that's annoying for an offensive line if you're going to see that for four quarters, and especially if you're the center. Um, Dante Stills has been great. He's going to make money. He's going to be a pro. He's going to get drafted. He came back to school for that. Um, he's played. His numbers aren't going to say it, but he he just does so much for for the other guys in the line for taking plays away. He sets the edge on outside plays again. They're they're really hard to run the ball on the outside unless you're great at it. Um, so he's good at that. Their ends are kind of interesting too. They um they have uh, Taj Austin, who's like a junior college guy from a couple years ago, who had played three three snaps the last two years. He's been hurt. Um, a knee injury once and an off-season Achilles. He just hadn't played. He's been really positive, productive for them. A starter, he comes in. He's played, I forget, something like 450 snaps on the defensive line. He hasn't missed a tackle. It's crazy. But he just is always in the action. He's a good pass rusher. They, those who play a bunch, they get sources of um, you know snaps or pass rush or TFLs from other guys, smaller parts. Um, no one really a, a big name status right now. Those are three to watch for sure. 
linebacker's been their issue. They're beat up there too. Um, one guy got knocked out last week. He was playing uh, more than normal because the starter and they, they alternate, but the other guy at that position was um, injured. I think both of them are probably going to be out extra low in Lance Dixon, which means I don't know what they're going to do with the will linebacker position, except they're going to have to get creative because they've lost some players to transfers and they just haven't recruited that position with great depth the last couple of years. So I wouldn't be surprised if they play like a, a four one six or something like that because they're going to have to get creative if they don't have those two will linebackers. Um, and then I don't know what you do there. Like you're going to have all these defensive backs in the field. Granted, not trying to tackle B. John Robinson, so maybe that lines up. But their secondary has been their their not their issue. The corners are okay um, through some injuries too. They lost Nick Troy Fortune starter after the regular season at least. They have another good starter, Daryl Porter, redshirt freshman. He's been pretty good, um, really good pedigree. Daryl Porter came from American Heritage, where a lot of good quarterbacks have come from the past few years. His dad's an NFL player, but their safety hasn't been. I don't know. I, I'm an A or an F guy, right? It's not bad would probably be the word. Lots of missed tackles, lots of missed assignments. And it's two super seniors, like two six-year seniors that came back to play and just haven't been as good. They don't make a ton of plays. They don't get interceptions, force fumbles, recover fumbles. And they're complicit in a lot of mistakes that happen. Those two just haven't had great seasons for them. And they were going to have to be great because they they lost so much, not only from graduation, like you mentioned, Fields and Darius Stills, but they lost a starting defensive lineman, a starting um, cornerback, and a starting safety of the transfer portal, right? Their two safeties that they brought back were supposed to be better than they were, and that would have alleviated some trouble. That hasn't happened, and, and they've had some – they've had the roof come off quite a few times this year, and those two safeties, one or the other, has been involved more often than not. That sounds like a, a carbon copy of what's going on with Texas. It happens, right? After losing uh, Chris Brown and Caden Stearns, you still had B.J. Foster, Brandon Schooler, um, Jaron Thompson, and, and that position just hasn't – been nearly as productive, I think, as uh, as Texas fans thought it was going to be. School has um, been pretty good the past two, two, three games, right? Yeah, yeah, and God bless him. He had a chance to intercept mm. a pass in overtime that would have ended the game, and it went right through his arms. So, um, you know, Kansas ends up, you know, scoring the touchdown, getting the two-point conversion in overtime. Um, but, yeah, he has been productive uh, the last – couple games um certainly on the tackle sheet so i love i love the special teams um well i love the kicker casey leg yeah. i mean it doesn't get any better than that mike and he's 16 of 18 mm -hmm. yeah um I mean, is he the highlight of the special teams for <laughs> west virginia that and the long snapper probably um they've, they've had issues with everything this year just like the stuff that's normally good has been they haven't had a good punt return in a long time their kickoff return was good but remember, this is against maryland in the opening game of the season where you know all bets are off on special teams in your first game and again liu long island university in the fcs game it's been very ordinary and worse since then and their kickoff return's been bad like that would scare me with uh jameson back there that guy's like what 25 30 yards every return it seems like so <laughs> That would concern me a lot. They don't have anybody who can put it at the end zone. They pick bad times to get momentum and kick it out of bounds. They try to do squib stuff because they don't trust their people. And their they're plan is so weird, Chip. Like, they get to the end of the first half last week. They scratch out a field goal, 17-3, and you think, all right, great. And they do something creative on the kickoff so they don't give um, uh, Malik Knowles, Kansas State's returner, they don't give him a chance. Smart. Start the second half. You're kicking off. 
don't give Kansas State a chance to rev up their offense. Don't kick it to nose. They kick it to nose. It's a 65-yard return. They're in business again. March down, got a touchdown. What are we doing, right? Um, they had a punt blocked last game. That would concern me because I think Texas has, what, four? Four, four. or five? Four, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, teams have been really close. And and I don't know the calls, whatever, but I know what the pictures look like, and the picture doesn't change. And I wonder if teams are the same. Wait a minute. If they're going to do this to us, we're going to do this. We're going to take one off the punter's foot. And they did last game. So I would wonder if, if Texas is going to look at that and say, they keep doing this thing. It just got blocked. Or do you expect something different? You'd hope to be something different, but I haven't seen that. We'll see. And Leg's been a great story. And beyond the name and the fact that he's a really good kid, he did not play high school football. His high school did not have a football team, right? He played in a small uh, Catholic school in Charleston, West Virginia, that he played soccer on. So he wasn't like moonlighting with the soccer team or the football team and, and focusing his time with the other one. He was a soccer player, but had some connections, went to some camps, and has really been like a, a project that has put himself into it. And they have good coaching and infrastructure here for that stuff. Neil Brown invests a ton in special teams. He's been the best by far, but their, their punting is erratic. Their coverage teams aren't good, and they just don't get a lot in the return game right now. And it's it's costly. Like the, the constant field position battles they have to fight because they can't kick it deep or they can't tackle a kickoff. They can't get a great punt or they can't pop a return. Those things add up over time. And it just it becomes so hard for your offensive defense to continually have to deal with that. That I think that's been a factor lately. What, um, you know, Texas has lost five in a row for the first time since 1956. Um, everyone's questioning everything in Austin. How do you see this one playing out? We got some symmetry here, Chip. Do you know what team started that losing streak in 56? Oh, West, West Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. So could they end it? Could they end it so many years later? I'm sure that Texas would love to win. I don't think they care who they beat at this point, but I thought that little bit of symmetry was kind of a cool bookend for us. Good get, for like, you. We like storylines falling in our lap, right? This is easy at this point when it gets hard. Nice. You'll know early with West Virginia. You just will. Um, no, I don't know. Like last time they chose to, this was curious to me, but they chose to take the ball to start the game and typically teams defer to the second half. They took it because I think they wanted to see if they had an offense and I don't think they wanted to cover a kick to start the game and start with a head down moment. And that to me says something about how concerned you are about your team. Imagine that like you're worried about setting the tone with a special teams play. And that's how this is right now. I think, you know, pretty early and something else too, like when they broke in the middle of the season, Six down, six to go. They never said, like, hey, we should make a bowl game. Let's make that our goal. They just broke it down to six one-game seasons. And Brown said that, like, this team isn't good with the big picture. Like, the way to go with this team is to take it one week at a time. Is it because it's a young team? It's not. It's not a young program anymore either. But there's just some um, uh, inner constitution, I guess, will be a concern for me. And I think you'll know pretty early. This team wants to go down to Texas and win in the 11th game of the season. It'll be apparent. And if, if it's a team that's – you know, oh man, that's Texas. Oh man, those are I remember that guy from that camp. Oh man, these are all four and five star guys. And they cower a little bit and and they play from a, a defensive position and they're down seven nothing or ten nothing. If they give up a big play on offense, if Thompson hits worthy and all of a sudden it's seven nothing, it could be a long day. And then conversely, like if their defensive line is flying around and if they're smashing people by running the ball and even only getting four and five yards at a time then they're going to settle in and play. Again, Brown's teams, with rare exceptions, don't get blown out. They play hard, and he's gotten that out of them. And that's what I would – what's the response from Texas then, too? Like, if, if West Virginia wants to make it hard, you know, what will Texas have? I think because the same questions that I ask about the team I cover, you probably 
have her asked or have asked yourself about the team that you cover too. Like, what do they have left in them this time of the season? I don't know, but I think we'll know pretty early on the West Virginia side. Yeah, and of course, Texas without Bijan Robinson. Mm. Um, and I'm mad about that, man. I really want to see him play. Yeah, he's. I mean, the stuff he was doing through the first half of the season was pretty special. Mm. Um, that 216 yard performance on the ground against TCU was yeah. was something. Um, well, let's, we got to mention basketball, Mike, cause we are in basketball season. What, uh, how are the, how's, how's Huggy Bears team looking? Pretty good so far. I don't, I don't know if it's a top half of the conference team. It might be, but I don't know that right now. And that's kind of a different story for the past, however many years, cause Huggins typically has, you know, some veteran players who are proven and that's not necessarily the case right now. He's got a lot of things that if they go right. It'll be good. And probably more importantly, he has a lot of ways to make it go right. I think it's going to be um interesting in that. I mean, not even a year ago, man, they were playing with Oscar Shibway and Derek Culver and playing this really rare too big offense defense. And we're just adamant about it. Going to make it work. Going to make it work. Obviously, Shibway leaves middle of the season. And then West Virginia becomes like a prolific perimeter team. Did not see that coming. But. A team that hadn't been able to shoot really started to shoot like crazy last year. And then their top guards um, or shooters, Sean McNeil, Taz Sherman, they come back. And yeah, Deuce McBride's in the NBA now earlier than expected. Derek Culver didn't come back for his senior year. That was probably a surprise. Smith on a mistake there. And they still have ways to be good. And it's not the same Huggins thumbprint. You think about Huggins and it's like offensive rebounding, pound the ball inside and play like this, you know, non-aesthetic style. And now you see like they're running all sorts of four four out offense and their five can come out and make passes or even shoot three sometimes. So it's a five out and you're going, what happened here, right? Is this a new coach? No, it's the same guy, like same staff. He hasn't brought in new blood to give him new ideas, not like a new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And, you know, they got a roster full of 15 players because they had three, two super seniors come back, um, recruited the full 13. So they got 15 players. So seven first time players transfers from, you know, one year FBS programs, which Huggins does not do. I, I, I'd be surprised if he brought in three of transfers period before this. And you guys three on the team right now. And, you know, they're shot blockers and they're guys who can put their head down and drive, which is what he really needed. He's got shooters. He just didn't have anybody who can guard the rim. His team is always going to rebound. It's not happening. They've been out rebounded by like 30 in the first two games. That's pretty bad. But, they're going to figure something out and they have different ways to do it. Like they have depth of guard. They have two very good shooters and they have three or four bigs that can do something. Everybody's like, Oh, what do you do with 15 players? You never play 15. You find 10, 11, maybe, and you do something with it. And that guy's got 902 wins, right? He's going to find a way to do it. He's got a lot of clay right now to work with. I think it's gonna be pretty exciting before long. Yeah. It's interesting. Kansas, Texas, West Virginia, all deep right now to the point where they're, you know, the, Coaches that are normally, you know, playing with a rotation of eight or nine are playing with a rotation of, of like 11, 12 yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun. It's gonna be yeah. Fun like there's no way Beard is going to be, what was it, 25 points worse than teams most night? No, because he's not going to play that way. He's going to figure something out. I think Huggins is the same way. You got, like I said, you got a lot of clay. You just got to figure out how to mold it. Mike, great stuff as always. Um, appreciate the conversation. Anything else you think is important for for uh, for fans to to think about going into this weekend? 
see who else plays quarterback for WVU. I know you guys have had like a bit of an in and out, but not like strategically. They've rotated in their backup quarterback in the third series more often than not. Uh, he got brained late in the Oklahoma State game and didn't play last week. They have him for doubtful this week. Um, if he plays, he's like an RPO guy, um, lots of read options, a runner, Garrett Green, and he can do some things there too. But they have a true freshman, Will Crowder, that I think they're 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 waiting on getting in at some point. And you can you can tell with Diggy right away sometimes he's not gonna have it. And then I don't think that they're gonna like let this go spiraling down the drain without trying to stop it. And if they can get somebody else to slip him in, I, I wonder if they have a lightning in the bottle with one of their backup quarterbacks. Haven't seen the true freshman Crowder at all. But he's played one game, right? So LIU, but haven't seen him do anything of note against anybody good. And they're they're not not talking about him. They're not talking about him, but they're not not talking about him. And I wonder if the old, you know, you got kind of got some cat ate the canary kind of stuff when you ask about him. Um, if you don't play him now, when do you play him? Right. So I wonder if it's a situation where maybe he comes in and just brings the paddles to the offense's chest and gets things going. Or if the, if the backup quarterback, Garrett Green, he can do that too if he's available. But I'm not sure you'll see Diggy wire to wire in this one. Now, is Crowder similar to Green in that he's a runner? Uh, no, well, he's more of a runner, certainly than Daigie is, but like, I would say like your 300 pound offensive lineman is more of a runner than Daigie is too. Daigie just isn't comfortable running, doesn't like to do it. And when he slides, it looks like his legs fell off and he just like, just gets down on accident. But, um, he's, he's got some twitch to him and he's like a more of a pocket guy than green. He's maybe in the middle, but to be honest, like, we don't know, we don't know about him. And I think that's what makes it interesting, too. He can sling it. He's got good awareness is what we hear from their intra-squad stuff. He can run a little bit. But is that because, you know, he's 18 and he runs a lot? Just because that's what quarterbacks do and they don't know what to do? Don't know. So we'll see. Can How much can he run? Do they have a package for him? Have they been able to devote time to that? Can he come in and just run the offense as Daigie would or could not? We'll see. But I just have a feeling that it won't be number two from start to finish. Didn't work last week. I don't know why he would try it again. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Daniels technically was a backup to Jason Bean and came in and looked like Russell Wilson against yeah. uh, Texas last Let's week. Let's pass so. the Chip. Oh, man. I mean, this is what makes uh, our job interesting, right, yeah, Mike? Right. Yeah. Sometimes you have no clue what's coming from week to week, but uh, we sure do appreciate the conversation, the preview of Texas, West Virginia, 11 a.m. on Saturday in Morgantown. Uh, Mike, thanks so much, man. Anytime, Chip. Thank you. All right. Uh, and thanks to everybody for listening in. For Mike Casaza, I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.